0: Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, church. uh, I guess we're going to be uh, going through the sermon series, The Steps of the Cross. And uh, we're just continuing that story of Jesus. Uh, Last week, we... We finished up with the um, Garden of Gethsemane and, and everything that uh, Jesus went through there. Uh, and uh, today we're going to be looking at uh, the betrayal and the, the arrest and the, the trials of Jesus. I want to start by reading 1 John chapter 2 verse 6. Scripture says, uh, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, talking about Jesus. It says that followers of Jesus should walk as the way our Lord did and so so we look for things that Jesus did how he reacted in certain circumstances and uh, we want to emulate those things in our own lives and in 1st Peter uh, chapter 2 it says this 1st Peter chapter 2 verses uh, 21 through 23 it says for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. I would have to think that when, when Peter wrote these verses, uh, he had the, the arrest and the trials of Jesus in mind. Um, So as we continue this series on uh, Steps to the Cross, uh, we're going to look at these stories. Before we do that, I want to talk about suffering for just a little bit. Uh, Suffering comes in in many forms. Uh, Sometimes we bring suffering onto ourselves with the decisions that we make, the choices uh, that we make. Uh, Sometimes these may be financial choices or relationship choices. Uh, but we do something to cause harm, maybe to ourselves or to someone else, and it brings on a, a season of suffering and pain. Um, sometimes, though, suffering comes from the outside, uh, an outside source that's brought on to us. It, it might be disease. Uh, it could be an accident. It could be something unexplained financially that occurs that that just causes us struggle and pain and uh, we don't know why it happens, but it just does, and we, we got to figure it out. We got to figure out how to cope, how to manage, and how to, how to move through a certain situation. And so, um, in days like these, in days that we find ourselves in, uh, we need to find an example to follow. And I can't think of a better example to follow than, than Jesus. So, so today, when we look at the arrest and the trials of Jesus, um, we're going to find an example that we can follow. I want to tell you some stories. Uh, So last week we did. We finished with uh, Gethsemane. Uh, And, of course, uh, next week and beyond, we'll look at the the crucifixion and uh, the resurrection. But in between that Garden of Gethsemane event and the crucifixion, Jesus went through a, a period of suffering and trial that was intense and fast and just almost unbearable. And so there's five stories I want to tell that kind of walk through the life of Jesus during this very brief period of time. So the first story is, is Jesus and the mob. Uh, when, when Jesus finished praying, he looks up and, and he sees the crowd coming. And in that crowd, he sees his friend. He sees his friend Judas. Um, and Judas approaches him. And gives him a kiss. Because Judas had already arranged uh, with the crowd, with the mob, he said, the one I kiss, he's the one you want. That's Jesus. So Judas walks up to Jesus and gives him a kiss. Uh, Jesus says, are you betraying me with a kiss? And uh, at that moment, Jesus kind of concedes to Judas and says, friend, uh, do what you came here to do. Well, Peter didn't like that. Peter, uh, one of Jesus' disciples, was standing there, right there next to him, and, and he had a sword. I don't know why or how he had the sword, but he pulls the sword, and the Scripture says that he attacks, and he attacks the servant of the high priest, and he slices his right ear off. This guy's name is Malchus. So he slices the right ear of, of Malchus off. Peter is ready to rumble. He's ready to roll. And Jesus, in his wisdom and in his uh, looking toward what needs to happen, tells Peter. He says, Peter, stop. Put away your sword. We're not here to fight. We're not here to do that. Right now, that's not what needs to happen. So Jesus talks to the crowd. He says, look, I've I've been with you. I've been with you here in public. I've been teaching. You know where I am. And and now you're coming with me with with clubs to arrest me. Well, the soldiers and the Jewish officials, they do, in fact, arrest Jesus. And at that moment, the, the disciples desert the Lord. The disciples desert their Lord, and the crowd, the mob, takes Jesus to the Jewish court. So that's story number one. The second phase of the night for uh, Jesus is story number two, is Jesus in front of the Jewish council. So Jesus gets to the council with the crowd, and he sees two high priests this night. He sees Annas, and he sees the former high priest, and he sees uh, Caiaphas, the current High priest, and so at first he's there with Annas before the Jewish council gathers, and Annas is questioning Jesus, and Jesus responds to him, says, "Look, I've been teaching you. You know who I am. You know what what I'm about. You've heard me. Why have you brought me in?" And at that point, a nearby official strikes Jesus on the cheek and says, "Hey, don't talk to the high priest like that." And Jesus says, "Hey, look, if if I'm not preaching truth, if I'm preaching wrong, then then prove it. But if I'm preaching truth, or if I'm telling you the truth," Why did you? Why did you hit me? Well, about that time, Peter finds his way into the courtyard, and and he's he he didn't fully desert his Lord. He's he's trying to come after him. He's trying to make sure everything's okay. He's trying to see what's happening. And so Peter now enters the scene and is is hearing what's going on. And so now Caiaphas enters the scene, the high priest, and so um, um, Caiaphas and the Jewish council are looking for evidence to uh, to uh bring charges against jesus and and they bring witnesses one witness after another and none of them agree but finally in the end there's a couple of guys who present testimony and they say hey we heard that this this man said that he's going to tear down the temple and then in 3 days he was going to rebuild it well obviously the jews didn't like this i mean the temple was their holy place it was their place of worship and and uh, for Jesus to say he was going to tear it down, this was this was a big deal. And so uh, Caiaphas used this information to stir the crowd. And he said, hey, what other testimony do we need? And he, he turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, are you the Christ? And Jesus says, yes, I am. I am the Christ. And you will see me sitting at the right hand of God. Well, Caiaphas at this point and the others, they just have a conniption. I mean, my goodness, what else do they need to hear? Well, they don't need any other proof. Jesus is worthy of death. Jesus is worthy to be put to death because he claims to be the Christ. Well, at this point, the guards beat him. Uh, what else happens? They, they spit in his face. They blindfold him. They, they strike him with their fists. They, they demand that Jesus should prophesy to them. Well, which one of them struck him? If, if he's the Christ, if he's the Messiah, surely he can tell them who's hitting him. And they just insulted him more and more and more. Well, as this is happening and as the trial is developing, Peter is still there. And Peter's in the courtyard and a servant girl says to Peter, hey, Peter, we're Weren't you with that Nazarene? And Peter says, woman, I don't I don't know him. Peter moves away from that location, but that servant girl follows him and says, surely you were with him. This, this fellow, she's talking to the others, this guy right here, this guy right here, he was with Jesus. And Peter says, denies it again. He says, I don't know the man. Well, about an hour later, another person says to Peter, surely you were with him. Your accent gives you away. And about that same time, a relative of Malchus, the guy who's Peter who Peter sliced the ear off, that, that relative of Malchus says, didn't I see you at the olive grove? Well, Peter calls curses down on himself, and he says, I don't know the man you're talking about. And at that moment, the rooster crows. The scripture says that uh, the Jesus turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, and he ran out of the courtyard and wept bitterly. So somewhere about that time, formal charges are given. Very early in the morning, the elders and Annas and Caiaphas and the teachers of the law and the whole Sanhedrin formalized their charges. And and uh, they asked Jesus one last time, are you the Christ? And Jesus says, yes, I am. And I will be at the right hand of God and I am the son of God. And so Jesus gave very clear testimony about who he is. And the Jews used that to condemn Jesus to death, but they couldn't do it themselves. So they needed to take him to the Roman officials. And so they lead Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. And so it begins the third story of the night with Jesus and Pilate, round one. So the Jewish leaders convene and uh, they convince Pilate to meet them very early in the morning. So Pilate comes out to meet the Jews and the Jews wouldn't enter the palace because they didn't want to dirty themselves. They didn't want to become unclean. So gather that. They go to Pilate's palace. They don't want to enter a palace because they don't want to be unclean. But they're condemning a man that they know to be innocent. Think about that for a moment. So Pilate comes out and he dialogues. What what are the charges? What are the charges of this man? And the Jew says, says this man opposes taxes. Pilate says, are are you, you woke me up for this? This man opposes taxes. We can deal with this later. And they said, well, wait, wait, wait. He also, he, he claims to be a king. He he he, came, he claims to be the Christ. Well, this exchange begins between Pilate and Jesus. And, and Pilate says, he, he talks to Jesus and he says, are you a king? And Jesus says, yes, I am. Well, when Jesus said that, the Jews explode all over him. Because, uh, uh, well, they, of course, they, they don't want Jesus to claim himself to be their king. So Pilate's confused and Pilate concludes that the Jews should just take Jesus and try them according to their own law. But the Jews contort that because they can't put Jesus to death, that the Romans need to do it. So Pilate asks Jesus again, are you sure you're saying you're a king? And Jesus says, yes. In fact, I was born to be a king and I'm testifying to the truth. Pilate says, what is truth? Pilate turns to the Jews and he says, this guy hasn't done anything wrong. And the Jews, they stir up, they say, this man, he stirs up trouble everywhere. In fact, he started in Galilee and he's bringing his trouble here. (coughs) So Pilate says, oh, this, this man is a Galilean? Well, it just so happens that Herod's in town and Herod was uh, the ruler over that province and so he sends Jesus to Herod. So story number four is Jesus and Herod. So Herod was pleased to see Jesus because he had really been wanting to meet him. He had heard about Jesus. He had heard about his teaching and he heard about all the miracles that Jesus did. And he was hoping that Jesus would, would perform some kind of miracle in front of him. So Herod asks and and asks Jesus, but Jesus refuses to answer him. And all the while the Jews are just getting irate and continually accusing Jesus without release, just relentlessly accusing Jesus. So Herod kind of gives in and and his soldiers ridicule him, they mock him, they dress him in elegant robes, and they, they send him back to Pilate. The interesting thing says that scripture says that Herod and Pilate became good friends that day, uh, kind of bonded by this experience with Jesus, uh, because they had been enemies up until that time um, and so Jesus leaves Herod, returns to Pilate, and we have the last story, Jesus and Pilate, round two so Pilate says, look, I find no fault with this guy. Herod found no fault with this guy. Uh, we'll punish him, and then we're going to release him. Well, the Jews didn't want that. And, and uh, uh, well, in the meantime, actually, Pilate's wife comes to him and says, hey, don't have anything to do with this man. I, I had a dream. It was not a good dream. Uh, this man is innocent and don't have anything to do with him. Well, Pilate ignores him, and, and he returns to the Jews. and And the Jews say, hey, there's a tradition. For you to release a prisoner to us. And uh, we'd like you to invoke that tradition. And uh, Pilate says, okay, we'll do that. Pilate honors the tradition. He says, okay, look, there's this guy named Barabbas. And we have Jesus here. Um, Barabbas, did you know his name means son of the father? And it just so happens that Barabbas was in prison for insurrection, for inciting a crowd, for causing troubles for the uh, Romans. And so here is this man, Barabbas, whose name means son of the father, who was causing trouble. And we have Jesus, who is the son of God, who is the son of the father, who preached peace and preached God's kingdom. And here, Pilate gives the Jews a choice. Which would you have me release to you, Barabbas or Jesus? Well, you know the story. The crowd... Once Barabbas, release to us Barabbas, crucify Jesus, crucify him, crucify Jesus. Well, Pilate re- releases Barabbas to the crowd and he says, what should I do with your king? And the crowd says, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate didn't want to do that. He knew Jesus was innocent, but he relented to the crowd and he claimed to have no guilt He physically washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, Look, this is your fault. This is your responsibility. The Jews gladly received the blame. So Pilate had Jesus flogged. And again, the the soldiers stripped him. They, They put a purple robe on him. They wove thorns together and made a crown. And they jammed it on his head. They put a staff in his hand. And they knelt before him in mockery. They struck him on the head with the staff. They spat on him. They bring him back to Pilate. Pilate gives him one last chance. Listen, I find no basis for a charge. He brings Jesus out in the purple robes. He says, here's the man. The crowd says, crucify him. And he he turns to Jesus. Pilate turns to Jesus and says, don't you understand? I have the authority to release you or to execute you. And Jesus says to Pilate, you have no authority given to you. Unless it was given to you by heaven. The crowd says, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar." So Pilate comes, he sits in his judgment seat, and the time is near. Pilate motions to Jesus and says, here is your king. <coughs> and the crowd says, he's no king of ours. Pilate says, shall I crucify your king? The crowd says, take him away. We have no king. Caesar. How must that have broken Jesus' heart? With God as their king, he had already faced abandonment and rejection from Peter, and now the people of Israel have rejected him as king. So finally, Pilate hands him over to be crucified. Jesus continues to be mocked. They replace the purple robes with his own clothes, And they lead him away to be crucified. In a short period of time, through these five stories, Jesus suffered. He suffered slander. Jesus suffered ridicule. Jesus suffered suffered false accusations. Jesus suffered severe beating. Jesus suffered mockery, betrayal, abandonment, and rejection. Jesus suffered. And so as we think of Jesus as our example, what can we learn from him? Well, in these stories, there's several examples that Jesus gives us and how we can respond in times of suffering. And so there's several of these, and we're going to go through these really quickly now. I actually have 11 of them. So, during jesus and the mob jesus gave us three examples that we can follow first of all jesus provides calm in matthew 26:52 this is what happens matthew 26:52 jesus says put your sword back into its place peter was ready to rumble but in that moment, Jesus stopped him and said, stop, put your sword away. Jesus provided calm. And in these days of suffering, you and I might need to find ourselves in a situation where we need to give some type of word to bring calm to the situation, to the midst of suffering. Jesus also provided healing. In Luke twenty-two fifty-one, it says that um, Jesus said, no more of this. And, and he touched Malchus' ear. And he healed him. In these times of suffering, you and I are going to need to provide healing for someone. You, you may not be a doctor. You may not be a nurse. You may not be in the medical profession. But there are types of healing that all of us can provide with words of encouragement, with prayer. Um, you may know someone who's suffering physically, somebody who's uh, suffering economically. And, and you're the one who can meet that need and bring, bring healing to that situation. Uh, so here's another example that we can follow. Jesus also in John 18:11 uh he gives us an example of of staying focused on his purpose. So John 18:11 says this. It says it says he says to Peter put your sword into its to its sheath shall I not drink the cup that the father has given me? Jesus knew that in the end, his purpose was to be a sacrifice, and having a fight right then, having a battle, was was not God's purpose. In that moment, Jesus was to submit so that he could get to his ultimate end. So you and I, we need to remember what our purpose is: to glorify God, to share the good news of the gospel, to bring healing to the sick, to to bring um, uh, to release. Uh, to bring freedom to the oppressed. Um, maybe you need to bring a word to somebody. You're, you're prayer walking your neighborhood, and somebody comes out the door, and, and in that moment, you can share a, a good word from the Lord. You can maybe see what they need prayer for and, and pray for that on the spot. And, uh, there's all kinds of things that we can do to, to remember why we are here, ultimately to bring glory to God. In the second story with Jesus in the Jewish court, Jesus provides another three examples. Uh, In John 18, uh, 20 through 23, Jesus was, he was willing to talk. It says right here that uh, when Pilate questioned Jesus about, I mean, excuse me, when Annas questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teachings, Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in synagogues and in temple." Where all the Jews come together, I have said nothing in secret. And why do you ask me? Are those who have heard me uh, what I said to them? Uh, uh, ask those who have asked those who have heard me uh, what I said to them. They know what I said. And when he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, "Is that how you answer the high priest?" And Jesus answered him, "If what I said is wrong." Uh, bear witness about the wrong, but what I said is right, why do you strike me? So Jesus was willing to dialogue. People are going to have questions during this time of suffering that we're in, and you need to be willing to talk to them. Or perhaps you have been wronged by someone yourself. Well, Jesus gives that example of being willing to share and talk and dialogue and advance the conversation. So Jesus gives us that example. Another example gives, uh, Jesus gives us is that he's willing to speak truth. In Mark 14, verses 60 through 62, Jesus uh, says this. He says, well, the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no an answer. And then the high priest asked him again, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed? And Jesus said to him, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. In this day and age when questions arise, I mean, people are, people are, I mean, you know the talk. You know the rumors. You see them on uh, Facebook. You see them on Instagram. You see them in other social media. You see the post. Even in some of the news, news outlets are just running, running stories that end up not being true. It's so important in these days that, that we speak truth. That we are certain of what we speak of and, and for you and me what that means is speak Jesus because we know and understand Jesus to be truth and so the best thing that we could do to speak into any situation is the truth of the gospel the truth of the, the truth of the hope in Jesus. Jesus is our example to follow. Jesus also felt sorrow and compassion in john eighteen excuse me in luke uh, twenty two 61 in Luke twenty two, sixty one it says that the Lord turned and looked at Peter. One of his best friends had just denied him. Over and over and over again. And the scripture says that Jesus turned and looked at him. I want you to do something perhaps maybe get your phone ready to tap the screen to pause it, or if you're watching at home on your television, grab your remote and get ready to pause it. Because I'm going ask you a question maybe for you to ponder for, or for you to talk to uh, with your family just for a minute or so. Um, I want you to ponder when, when, when Peter looks at Jesus and he see, sees Jesus looking back at him, what were, what what was Jesus saying to Peter in his eyes? What were the eyes of Jesus saying to Peter? Let's go ahead and take a moment and tap your screen or, or click the pause button on your remote and ponder that if you're by yourself or discuss it with your friends or family, or whoever you're with, just, to, just for a little bit, and then we'll come back together. so I don't, I don't know what y'all talked about, but what, what I gather is that I don't think Jesus' eyes were condemning. I don't think Jesus was saying, I told you so, in his look to Peter. I would rather think that just knowing of what we know about Jesus, that he was looking, looking, at, Jesus, uh, looking at Peter with compassion and with grace and forgiveness. just wanting to communicate to Peter that I still love you. Of course, we know that Peter ran from the situation, but but in that moment, Jesus provides for us a great example of even for those, if, if we have been hurt deeply by someone, that we are still to have sorrow, compassion for those that hurt us. So real quickly then, um, Just a few more examples. In the first go-around with Pilate, Jesus gives us the example of standing his ground on things that are right. In John 18, verses 33 through 38, this is what happens. So Pilate enters his headquarters again, and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation. And the chief priests had delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. So then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. (coughs) Excuse me. At any moment, Jesus could have changed his mind and said, you know what, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to suffer any longer. I can't take the pain. I can't take the beatings. I can't take the jeering. I can't take the accusations. I can't take the lying. I don't want this. But Peter, excuse me, but Jesus stood his ground on what was right. And in that moment, what was right was revealing himself to Pilate. So he reveals truth to Pilate. Pilate doesn't recognize it. But Jesus stood his ground on things that are right. So you and I, we need to follow that example. In the midst of suffering, we could seek revenge. We could seek uh, retribution. But instead, we should just follow the pattern of Jesus to continue to speak truth, to continue to stay focused on our purpose, and to continue to move forward. In front of Herod, Jesus gives us a couple of examples. Um, Jesus uh, remains silent. In order to stay on course, that's one example he gives us. And another example he gives us is he does not entertain the whims of others. In Luke 23, verse 9, Scripture says this, says, Herod questioned him at length, but Jesus made no answer. See, what happens here, if Jesus had begun begun a dialogue with Herod, It's very possible that Herod having jurisdiction over Galilee would have taken Jesus home with him and tried him up in Galilee. So Jesus knew that at this moment there was no need to speak because Jesus knew that he needed to remain in Jerusalem and see his way into the end. At the same time, Jesus knew that Herod was just looking for a show. and So Jesus doesn't relent. He doesn't give in. He doesn't provide some miracle. Instead, he just remains silent. So for you and me, to follow this example in times of suffering, there will be times when the right thing to, what the right thing to do is just to remain quiet. So I know I said earlier sometimes the right thing to do is to talk. Now we see that sometimes the right thing to do is to remain silent. We're just going to trust here at this moment that the Holy Spirit will guide us and He will lead us on how we should respond and how we should follow Jesus. At the same time, if we understand that, uh, people are just going to mock us for our stance, perhaps we shouldn't even entertain them. That's what Jesus does. He does not even entertain the whims of Herod. So Jesus is an example to follow. And then finally, in the in the last story with Jesus and Pilate, uh, in round two, I'm going to give you both of these examples at the same time. Jesus remained humble from a position of strength. And the second example in the situation, we reverse it. Jesus remains strong from a position of humility. In John 19, verses 10 and 11, scriptures say this, So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you. From above. Jesus remained humble. As God, Jesus remained humble from a position of strength. And as a man, Jesus remained strong from a position of humility. We need to do the same thing when we're in those moments of suffering, whether we are uh, humble or in a position of strength. We need to rely on Jesus to give us what we need because we recognize that he is our strength and before him we are humble. So Jesus is our example to follow in times of suffering. I want to reread the verses we said at the beginning. This is 1 Peter 2 verses 21 through 23. Are you ready to walk as Jesus walked? For those of you and me, for those of us who say that we abide in Jesus, we must be willing to walk as he walked. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for the example of Jesus. We know he suffered so much. And the things that we suffer now, we know really don't even compare. But yet, Lord, nonetheless, we do have pains, we do have trials, we have things that we go through that may be physical, may be emotional, may be relational, may be financial, may be spiritual. And in these, in these things, we, we find ourselves struggling and hurting. So Lord, whenever we, whenever we find ourselves in that situation, would you remind us of your example of, of the way you walked through the worst times of your suffering? We love you so much, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. If you would like more information, visit our church website at www.fbcbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street in Belton, Texas.